Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Here's the, here's the deal. What once started as this idea to get a group of people together on Parliament Hill, uh, kind of came up with the Parliament Hill boot camp, was really an awesome idea. But over the course of time, it has grown into almost like a national movement as it has now moved across the country into what's going to be called Move Camp. And there is a woman behind all of this, and her name is Mia St. Obey. She is uh, an amazing trainer. I've had her on uh, my show. I have had her on CTV Morning Live. I've had her on my website. I can find her on all of my social media. Uh, She's also a former Canadian elite athlete. She is an entrepreneur. She's a cancer survivor. There is so much to this young woman. So I'm really excited to have her as my guest for episode 18 of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And of course, you can always check out extensionmarketing.com for more information. I was joking that you you look so pretty, like hair is (laughs) down, you got fancy clothes, because I'm so used to seeing you in activewear. Yeah, I'm yeah. so used to being just an active wear. It's like a special treat when I get to wear normal clothes and do my hair and feel like a girl. Yeah, well, you pull it off really well. And I, I think I'm actually incredibly jealous. Like, people are, are jealous when they see my closet, you yes, know, from the 20 years included. of working in television. But as I'm slowly shifting from the pencil skirts and the dresses to the <laughs> sports bras, I look at your collection. I'm like, my goodness, I love it. Do you do you? Oh, I love, love it. it. I love yeah. seeing the thing is, is I always want more, but there are so many, so many good types of clothing out there for athletic wear and I get okay. to wear it every day. So. Okay. I'm going to ask, is there some that you just wear for the look or there's some that you just wear knowing that you're just going to get sweaty in it? Oh yeah. I've got my, my workout, workout clothes yeah. and then my workout clothes that are my everyday clothes that I don't ever dare wear to the gym. <laughs> they're too good for oh, that. Oh yeah. They're way too pretty. Uh, okay. So let's talk about maybe not looking pretty, but definitely having the sweat <laughs> just to give people an idea so that they can kind of grasp this concept Mm. what was parliament hill boot camp like what was the idea behind it and how just so quickly has it kind of expanded it has exploded it has it was such an organic true grassroots idea and project that started from out of nowhere and you know that that saying it's like ideas are everywhere someone's just gonna find them at some point Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm just so fortunate enough to have been that person to jump on it and it was as simple as how come no one ever has done a boot camp on Parliament Hill? Like why why doesn't this exist? Because there there was the yoga. Mm-hmm. There was yoga on the hill, which on any given beautiful Wednesday in the summer, you have thousands, yeah. thousands of people with their water bottle and their yoga mat. It's I mean, I love the pictures of the days when there's thousands of people there. So that was always happening on a Wednesday, but there's a lot more to how people work out than just doing the yoga. So that was the concept. Like, well, and to like, be totally honest, yeah. that's kind of where I guess if I had to choose where the idea had stemmed from, it was it was that. I was sitting on Facebook one day. And Parliament Hill Yoga, it's been big for so many years, mm-hmm. but recently has gotten really big. Yeah. And so I'm sitting on Facebook and I'm watching all these photos blow up my Facebook feed of the of, of Yoga on the Hill and the photos of, of people and the sheer volume of people that were on the Hill that day. And so I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And I had had a friend, Samantha Moon Sammy, mm-hmm. ask me weeks prior, how can I help you? And I was like, I don't know. What do you mean? How can you help me? I don't even, <laughs> I had just met her. I don't know what she did. Yeah. And it would just kind of like a lightning bolt just hit me. And I was like, this is amazing. Yoga is unbelievable. Ottawa is an amazing city for those types mm-hmm. of activities. How come no one's ever done a boot camp? I want to do a boot camp. Called Samantha and I said, I know how you can help me. Yeah, figure out a way to get me on <laughs> yeah. Parliament Hill. Now, for anyone who's like any on the American side, south of the border listening to this, our Parliament Hill is is Washington. It, yeah. It's Capitol Hill. Yeah. It's, it's the White it's House. The thing. It's yeah. like working out on the White House lawn. It, exactly what it's like. <laughs> so, exactly. so you have that that idea. That's really what it's like. Uh, and so you get the boot camp idea going. How? Yeah. What was the dynamics of kind of getting clearance or to be able to do 
this event. This is where Samantha comes into mm-hmm. play the most. So she works for the government as well as runs and owns her event, her no. own event plan company. It's sold the company and just has such a passion for helping people. So I sat down with her for the first time. She's my soul sister. Like I, I'd barely known her at the time. We sat down and she gave me a list of things to do. I remember this like it was yesterday. This is who you contact for your permits. These are the media contacts that you need to do. This is how I think you need to get it out there. I made posters and went around to gyms, grass roots, which we still do today, I still believe in that firmly, and just pass them out, check the things off the list one by one. And I don't know if all events in my life were leading up to that moment, but it just seemed to run effortlessly. There were a lot of people, you know, a lot of people questioned me. A lot of people said, no, no one ever wants to be the first person to do anything. They, you know, (laughs) they need someone else to pave the way a little bit. But it was after checking off the list and realizing, like, I actually have my permits. And now the only thing left to do is promote this thing and see who shows up. (laughs) And people showed up. People showed up. Leanne, we had the first event. I called my girl Jess. She now is one of my main partners, Mm -hmm. uh, Jessica Shrella. Trello uh, that works with the event with me and I said listen I'm gonna do this little workout on the hill do you think maybe you want to come to a couple of them with me you don't have to come all summer I had only picked a couple dates I had that season when we started I had to actually extend the summer because I realized how people how much people enjoyed how many it. years ago was this is this this was this is our fourth season going on so it was 2014 was the first 2015 2015 so this okay. we're in starting the fourth season okay. going into it and she said, yeah, I'll come to a few. She, she ended up coming to every single event, ever since. Mm-hmm. Every single event we've ever done on the Hill, she's been there. So not only did she come to a few, but now she's in it. Yeah. And, and I remember... pregnant. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She's honestly amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I remember thinking, okay, I've promoted it. I put it out there. And I remember getting to the Hill and being like, I have no idea if anybody is going to show up. I had no idea. I had registrations. I had you know, Facebook, but yeah. people changed their mind. First event, we had 80 people come to the Hill. And to give you an idea just of how things grow, like Problem Hill Yoga is well over thousands of people now, and they had 10 people up on the Hill when they first started. It's unbelievable how much things can grow. So it was after a few events like that, and it leveled down, and we averaged about 50 people every seat, mm-hmm. every event that summer. But it was after a few of them that I realized, like, okay, we're kind of on to something here. Yeah. Ottawa likes this. <laughs> it, it, it does. And over the next couple of years, it became Wednesday's yoga, Thursday's <laughs> boot camp. Uh, and so, and it's grown. Like, you've got yeah. a number of trainers that want to be there yes. and calling the shots and doing the workouts and people are, are on board. Everything grew extremely organically. Um, we started with an average of 50. You know, we have an average of 200 people that come up on the hill. And it's been double growth every season. So mm-hmm. I have every reason to believe that it's just going to continue growing that way. My team, we love the inspiration from the yoga because we will all send each other photos in our group chat and say, like, this is what we're going for, guys. Mm-hmm. We're going to have both lawns filled with people. My team grew organically just like the event started. The entire project has grown like that. And they one by one came to me and said, how can I help you with this project? You couldn't dream up this team. Like I remember writing in my journal, I'm so happy and grateful for my beautiful team. I'm so happy and grateful for for my amazing team who helps me with this project. And one by one, they placed themselves in my life and was like, how can I help you? I want to grow this project. So then I started realizing, okay, this idea that I had this concept of stop dieting and let's be present in our health and fitness goals and let's change the messaging and fitness, they liked that idea and they wanted to be a part of it and they actually believed in it. So we kind of created this posse, mm-hmm. my squad of people who are now my family. And I am, they'll, I tell them all the time, I cannot ever express the amount of gratitude that I have for them for jumping on board and helping it become what it is today. And this is where the, where it becomes today changes and shifts, not only from Parliament Hill, but to pretty much doing this on landscapes and well-known, mm. well-known establishments across our country. So yeah. the name has shifted. I'm so used to calling it Parliament Everybody Hill Boot is. Camp, <laughs> but there's a name change and it's now the Move Camp because it yeah. is now moving pretty much across the country. Yeah, exactly. So Throughout the project and um, my journey getting here, I jumped into and uh, landed into a concept or a project called National Health and Fitness Day. So it's a nationwide movement to make Canada the fittest nation on earth. 
So it was founded by John Weston and Senator Nancy Green Rain and a variety of others who sit on the board now, whose whose mandate is to do whatever they can to encourage communities to participate the first Saturday of, of June every year to make Canada the fittest nation on earth. So I caught wind of this and I was like, okay, well, I want to I wanna make sure that we're doing, because being a part of it, because we're mm-hmm. doing this exact same thing. In the interim, I had continued getting feedback. Uh, this workout's going to be hardcore or boot camp is really intimidating or they take a look at myself and my team and think, oh, there's no way. Yeah, Mia is... A phenomenal uh, figure. Uh, I have seen and emceed events where Jess, who you were mentioned, yeah. has been on the stage in oh, fitness competitions. Yeah. Uh, even how many months pregnant is she now? Like, she's like almost. She's almost like due. Ready. Uh, yeah. You know, looks phenomenal. You've got like you. You do. It's not that it's an intimidating team. Well, mm-hmm. it, it can be, can right? Be. They yeah. look like the epitome of, of, They're healthy. of, of what health <laughs> yeah. is, right? So I can see that people were like, "Okay, hey, these are going to be. It's going to be too hardcore, or they're too kind of." to fitness addict to kind of be a part of it. Exactly. And at first I was like, it's not hardcore. It's just not. So I don't know what else to tell you. And then it kept coming up and it kept coming up. And I said, okay, that's not what I stand for. It's not what I represent. I mean, maybe when I was a national track and field athlete, I could consider myself hardcore back then, but I don't consider myself hardcore hardcore now. I consider myself intelligent in the way that I work out Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm present and I pay attention to my body. So I realized that our messaging and what we were trying to get across did not reflect in our name whatsoever. So it was as simple as contacting the Google machine. And I said, definition of boot camp. And up came all these photos (laughs) of hardcore military flipping tires style workouts, which at the time was kind of like, duh, you know, I should have known this, but everything happens for a reason. So it was an entire winter-long process of sitting down with a dear mentor of mine, endless uh, coffee conversations and meetings. And he pulled so many things out of me and pushed me. And what is the essence of this project? Why are you doing this? What does it stand for? You've grown. What does it mean? And it was a four-hour-long coffee meeting. And I said to him, we need to come up with a name now because I need to promote for this season. And so we're brainstorming and brainstorming and brainstorming and out came the word move camp. And it was just a, what about move camp? <laughs> and then it, it's because it's like about moving. It's exactly. about just moving your body. So it, it, it stuck. Mm-hmm. And then that enabled you to kind of take the move because you don't have to have the Parliament Hill aspect of it. Yeah. And then it became exactly. the move wherever it is that you're going to be. Exactly. So now we're move camp, move together at Canadian Landmarks. And so now what we can do working with National Health and Fitness Day is go into the different cities that have declared the day. So they're Mm -hmm. already a part of this mission. I'm going to grow my teams in those cities where we're actually physically on the ground with the citizens, with the population and getting them moving in a way that makes sense to them. So not only can we celebrate the day, but year long, you've got amazing awareness campaigns. Mm -hmm. And now year long, you'll have not only an awareness campaign, but an actual movement where we are actually moving together and we're learning how to take care of our bodies in a way that makes actual sense to people. When you think of this, like, where do you see this happening? Like when you're talking about the Canadian landscapes or landmarks, where, where do you see this happening? Like Nathan Phillips Square, for example, Mm -hmm. downtown Toronto, which I've started the process of getting my (laughs) permits there. Um, Like different city hall down in Montreal, for example, Uh, any type of city hall landmark type location, just because that's in an an experience in Mm -hmm. and of itself, working out on Parliament Hill is so amazing. I, I think what was interesting, though, in choosing these landmarks, though, is you've got the downtown core. And and that's the one thing that I was always surprised with the Parliament Hill, uh, with the yoga on the hill, yeah. is that people leave their office yeah. at noon. Sweaty messes. Sweaty messes. <laughs> and come back sweaty messes. And that, and it's fine. They just go back. I know. And so being in that downtown core, you're going to have that traffic. Yeah. Just leave their desk, go move, yeah. go back. And I think it's it's amazing because I've interviewed these people and I'd say, how do you do it? Because I'm a sweaty mess. And the first thing I want to do when I get home is shower after mm-hmm. those workouts. And a lot of government offices and different offices downtown, they pro- they provide the tools for you to be able to do that. They have the showers. They have the uh, little gyms for mm-hmm. you to, and change rooms for, for you to be able to do that. So it really speaks to the shift that we're seeing yeah. in the industry. Well, when an employer is encouraging, yeah, yeah. go, come back, shower, be at your desk a little bit later but you've you've moved I always think and and midday anyway 
getting the brain triggered with the endorphins. Totally. Like you and I are very similar like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You need the workout to function. You need to break up your day too. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm guilty of it. The sitting down, you're just going to hammer through it. If you're a high achiever, you think you can do more and more and more and more, but you're so much more productive when you're doing things that you love and you're actually getting up off your butt and doing something other than sitting mm-hmm. at your computer and staring, staring at your desk. So you have this whole kind of movement underway Mm -hmm. and you're kind of sitting here going, I'm living kind of the dream moment right now, right? I have a project (laughs) that's taken off. This idea is working Mm -hmm. uh, and we're expanding, which for any entrepreneur and business, like you're you're feeling pretty good. (laughs) Uh, And you know, this kind of goes back because it wasn't always like this and there's Mm -hmm. been a lot of ups and downs getting to this moment. It wasn't like, hey, here's Mia and she's perfect. Yep. (laughs) And everything's gone totally her way. Uh, It it kind of, it goes back a long way. But health, fitness, being active was something that was part of your life from day one. Like you're, you're, you, you come from an athletic background. Yeah. I always say I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed. I was having a conversation with one of our partners, um, Jenna Ladd from Iron North Studio. She's helping with the project this year. And we were saying, you know, I'm, I'm really lately perplexed by the idea of like, wow, why was I born into the life that I'm born into? Why was I given the parents that I was given? Why was I handed the deck of cards that I was handed when someone else was was not handed anything close to like what I was handed? How, how it almost feels like I feel overcome with guilt. Like, how can I make sure that I am doing my absolute best so that I can give back and show the universe how grateful I am for what I have? Why, why was it so great? Like what, what was just so... I was born into a family where like people ask me, how do you look like you look? Or how do you know what to do? Literally since birth, I have been involved in a family that was healthy and active. So it wasn't the concept of like, you're going to work out and we're going to pay attention to what we're eating. It was just a part of a lifestyle. Like my dad's 61 years old and he just got a second degree black belt. <laughs> like, I have role models. My, I, I spent the better part of my childhood traveling around Ontario watching my mom win triathlons. Like not just compete, but win. I have very vivid memories of putting on her Team Canada uh, outfit because she was uh, she came third at Worlds uh, as a triathlete. So we'd be at camp and we'd all get in the boat every morning so that my dad and my brother and I could watch mom swim laps in the Spanish river. If anybody knows the Spanish river, they know it's, it's disgusting. Like you can swim in it, but it's mm-hmm. a river and she'd swim laps up and down. And while the kids out. would, can you alongside? We'd be in the boat. Dad would be in the boat with us. And then the whole day was, we'd spend every single day outside. My, I have distinct memories of my dad being so frustrated with us for wanting to stay in and watch TV and say, get outside, get outside. And that, like, I'm not going to age you by that much, but like there wasn't the iPads, you know, no, it was the television, right? It was, it was still Saturday morning cartoons kind of thing that you're getting out for and not the, the devices. Um, and I really think, and that's similar to my story, right? Like I grew up in a gym, like I grew up with a a, a mom whose life was sport and, I do feel like we do. Like, how did I benefit from this? Because mm-hmm. your whole life is, you're started off on, on a different road, a different track. Yeah. Because you've been given just a different totally set of, not a set of values, but just a way of thinking and a way of life. Absolutely. And, you know, with Tony and I, like, that is essential for our girls. Like, it has been from day one also. And I hope, you know, 20 years from now that they're saying, I was blessed to be have given this opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. just coming into the world this way. But they do it. It reflects. Like, it, it made an impact and it stuck. 100%. It wasn't like you fought it. It was, a, you know, you embraced it. Yeah, and it led me, I mean, this is my genuine purpose. Like, that's mm-hmm. the part why I feel so grateful. This is what I was meant to do on this planet. Um, and it was never a... It was, it was never a concept of, it was not separated from what we did in life. We'd go for family walks every single day after dinner, whether my brother and I liked it or not at the time. It's just what we did. I remember my dad teaching me how to play catch in the yard so I could be good at softball. Um, my mom and I still, we share such a passion for, for, for fitness. When I'm home, we go swimming together. She took me swimming in the lake last summer, um, swam lengths in the lake. We go, our hangout time is going to work out together. It's just a part of who I am. When you have clients, I mean, and, and you do a a ton of sessions with clients, Mm How do you react when they come to you and say, listen, I was never an active child. I wasn't active in my early adulthood. Like, how is it 
to shift that mindset from someone who's never had that experience to wanting to be able to do it later in life. That's the part I thrive off of the most because this is what I say. Like we're all very familiar with Jamie Oliver. I'm sure I I'm I love his work. I love what he did and I believe a huge part of what he did was education. He educated people on food. And so that's what I always say. It, it doesn't surprise me when people come to me and say, like, I didn't learn these things. I genuinely don't know what to do. And it makes perfect sense to me because where would you learn it right now? It's not taught in schools. If you didn't grow up in a family like mine, you have to figure out this stuff on your own. And I always, I empathize so much with that because if I had to learn this stuff from day one or from right now, from scratch, without an idea of what direction to go into, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even know where to start. It's intimidating. Oh my, and there's so much information out there. There was a comment made from someone a few months back of, well, just Google it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it would make it even more confusing. I think it makes so much more sense to be able to ask someone that you trust and that you can resonate with. So that makes me really grateful, but I also feel, um, I feel like I'm able to actually educate them, obviously, but empathize with where mm -hmm. they're at. I, I get it. Yeah, because it's almost like flipping the switch completely, going, mm -hmm. okay, pretend you never had any of this background. Yeah. Where would you start? Yeah. You, you continued, though. I mean, you have very active parents. I can't believe your dad, second degree back. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> he's, he's that hardcore. is very cool. Um, <laughs> but you ended up, track was where you excelled the most. Yeah. Like, that was your sport. Yeah, that's where I landed. Um, everybody, when they find out that I'm a runner, they say, well, how many marathons have you ran? I was like, absolutely not. It does not ever interest me. Yeah. I think it's hardcore crazy. Um, but I started running. Again, it was another organic thing. I, I came to university here in Ottawa and I was like, I'd never not been on a team. So I didn't know what to do with myself. So I emailed the cross country coach and I said, can I have a couple workouts? You know, I need something to keep me busy. He said, why don't you come up to a couple practices? I was like, duh. My track and field coach in, in high school was so bummed that I wasn't continuing on with the sport. And it's almost like I needed a year off or something. And so I started on the team at Ottawa U and just it took off from there. And I found my passion and I found what I really, really would excel in. And so I ran varsity on the team here at Ottawa U and then continued on with the Ottawa Lions, which is an amazing track club here in mm -hmm. the city. And then from there, I was on the Canadian Paranational team as a guide runner. Okay, this is where I'm like, <laughs> how does, how do you... From being like, on track. <laughs> I get that. But this is very different because it's not, it's your race, but it's not your race. Mm -hmm. It's the athlete that you're guiding's race. Yeah. So how do you start the training for that? How do you build the trust relationship with that? Like Trial and yeah. error. <laughs> we, yeah. I think it's fascinating. She was a friend of mine, actually. We competed in the same group together. So Ottawa Alliance has different groups based on your discipline mm -hmm. I was mid-distance oh, mid okay. yeah so I did the 1k indoors and then the eight and the four and uh, she did roughly around the same distances and needed a new guide the thing that's really challenging um being a para-athlete is finding that person that can devote that much time to working with you to help you accomplish your dreams so she needed a new guide runner and said uh, would you be interested and I was like well I'm already competing anyways you're already in my group we mm -hmm. just have to do a couple practices a week together to keep this up. So is she visually visually, visually impaired. impaired? So what? How much was completely like? What was her? She would always explain it as she could kind of see shadows, mm -hmm. sort of. And I, in my mind, I always pictured that like she could see out of like the size of a straw hole, like very, very minimally. Okay. So, so a lot of athletes who are completely blind, you run, the guide runs tethered with them. So you're joined at the wrist. Okay. Um, her and I didn't have to do that. She could kind of see things, but when we'd go for our long runs and stuff like mm -hmm. that, it, you know, help her make sure she didn't trip and those mm -hmm. kinds of things. But it was a few weeks after we started training together. She says, I need to do this training camp in Australia. Do you think you can come <laughs> with me? And I was working at a corporate gym at the time. And I was like, I don't care if I get fired. I'm coming with you to Australia. So we went to Australia for three weeks. Sydney oh Olympic God. Park. Trained together. Like, it was my dream. Can, it, I, can I ask, <laughs> who is hopefully the Canadian, who's funding this? 
The Canadian Paranormal okay. Team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a nice three weeks. Uh, so you were training with the, with the Canadian team yeah. in Australia. Yeah. And it was in preparation, like just their For the upcoming camp. season. The Olympics were coming up at the time. Um, so we'd wake up every day. He'd have this amazing Australian breakfast, train our, our faces off, and, uh, and then come back home and do it again. Do, do you find you became a better runner in that experience? Like where... Mm-hmm. Where did you push each other? Because you were pushing her to go faster. Yeah. And she needed you to be able to be at that same pace to, to do it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, through the mental aspect, there's so much. I mean, you know, in individual sports, there's mm-hmm. so much mental uh, capacity that goes into that type of training. So it was a lot of that. And, and we became dear friends. And it was a lot of the the off-the-track stuff that made made it count. I became really close with her and her husband, and um, she she became really close with, with the people in my life and knowing what's going on in my life personally. Um, and we just kind of enjoyed our time together doing what we absolutely love to do. So I do think during that time, though, I, I put so much pressure on myself. Uh, in the world of track and field, period, I put a lot of my self-worth into my times, into comparing myself to other athletes, uh, getting frustrated with myself for not being where I was in such a short amount of time. I, I distinctly remember thinking if I wasn't hitting personal best every single time I set foot on the track, which is like asking yourself to improve by 100% every day, mm-hmm. that I didn't feel worthy enough and that I didn't feel like I was going to um, accomplish anything. So I think it, I, was, I loved my sport and I was so passionate about it, but there's so much growth that I still needed to go through. So if I did it again today, mm-hmm. I think I would enjoy it a lot more. It was an amazing experience, but I put a little bit too much pressure on myself. But how do you tell an athlete when they're in that moment? You don't. You can't. Like, <laughs> I, I'm like, it's, it's life experience. Yeah. I don't know how you would have told your younger self that. No. Like, that's why I say, like, that's when I was hardcore. You, you know, I was training three hours a day and I, I slept and breathed fitness and, and track and field and my meals were on point and I didn't drink and I didn't eat junk food and I barely had a social life like those were the times where I put all of my efforts into fitness how hard was it and how did the decision come to retire or to break up that partnership and just to say okay that I, that's a one part of my life I need to kind of graduate and move on to others? I think it just gradually happened. Um, there were better fits for for her along the way. Um, we had kind of gotten to the point where I wasn't that much faster than her. <laughs> we, she got better. She really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, it, and it just, yeah, it just naturally kind of, uh, became a fork in the road where it was just our time, and so I went on to compete. Okay, wait, mm-hmm. is it like a breakup? Kind of, yeah. Like I'm it like I'm, hard. I'm, I'm gonna really say, hard. I'm gonna say like is yeah, it's yeah, a it breakup or relationship. Like there's heartache yeah. and missing and. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the extension marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. I felt like a failure because I felt like I couldn't. Oh, because then they went and had a new, like, so it's like a breakup and then you're the ex and then there's the new person. from the sidelines. And you feel like, well, I wish I could have been better and I wanted to help you more. And and you become so invested in their goals, like become your goals. And, but I, I really, there was some growing up I had to do. So, so it it happened the way that it happened and I continued on and uh, competed for myself. Mm -hmm. But then still it came to the point where I was crying before practices and it was, I was started questioning like, what do I want here? This is supposed to be my passion, my my desire to want to just improve and I love running why am I crying before practices so I competed on a little bit hired my own coach learned even more um and then realized like if I'm upset at every practice then there's probably something that I need to take a step back from and and I've done that since and just learned to actually love my sport and run for the sake of running. Well, what was it then? I mean, you can't, I'm not, I'm not going to let you off the hook <laughs> <laughs> that you're like, okay, and then uh, I was crying and now I had to learn. Like what, what was it? Like 
that's that's a big thing to ask an athlete. I mean, and we have and I have kids right now who are mm-hmm. in competitive sports, and some days it's like they're gung ho and like can't wait to get to training, and then some days it's like I can tell that they need a mental day. You know, like the thought of having to go train for four hours isn't there. Like, yeah. how how do we help people who are feeling that and crying before heading off to do a sport like you don't want that like what Mm -hmm. was it that allowed you to figure out why (laughs) there were tears and how to move your how to move through it years and years and years later of personal development I think I always struggled with this dichotomy of being out on the outside this fit healthy happy person and a lot of the time on the inside feeling like I wasn't good enough, like I wasn't worthy, um, like I wasn't as good as the next person beside me. So in that moment, looking back, I just, I was so insecure. I didn't, I lacked the self-confidence that I needed to, to not run my best race ever and be like, that's okay. Like there was no self-empathy. I was so hard on myself to my detriment Mm -hmm. because it was like nothing I did was good enough. There was no self-love. And you had parents who had competed. I mean, your mom's competing on the world level. Like what guidance, like what did they have to say? Did they know you were suffering like this or could they tell you weren't Yeah, but it it didn't matter. It didn't matter what they said because I'm such an achiever. Like, you know, it's like, what's the problem? Find the solution, move on, like go make it happen. And so they've been unbelievably supportive of me. It's like, you know, you do what you love. And at the end of the day, like, Mm. it's okay. It doesn't matter if you want to continue running. You do. If you don't, like, it's okay. Move on. But I come by it honestly, I think there's... there was a story in my life for a long time that I had, I learned everything the hard way. Nothing came easy to me from, from elementary school, from school itself, um, up and onwards. So it was like, I was, I expected to struggle. Um, so it didn't feel normal for me to feel good or to, to feel like I loved myself, to feel self-confident enough. And I put all of that into my sport. So all of my self-worth was on the track and field. And it wasn't until I retired and took a step back and realized, like, I'm not that happy. Like, on the outside, <laughs> I looked like I had it all together, but I was, I just want to hug that girl that I was. Like, I was, I just, I didn't like myself very much, and there wasn't a lot of self-confidence going through those phases in my life. I love the fact that you just, you want to give her a hug. Oh, you know? I do. Yeah, I like, do. Yeah. It, it, can I ask, because I, I want to get, and I'm, I'm, I want to get to you facing an unexpected challenge in all of this. Like, mm-hmm. I want to hug that that young woman. And then I want to hug a woman who, being as fit and healthy and, yeah. you know, as on board with wellness as possible, to kind of start to say, something's not right yeah. with me. How yeah. long after the retirement of track moving forward was it until you started not to feel good? Oh, maybe about a year, if that I would start had started feeling pretty tired, um, not just not really feeling like myself. I I, I just put so much energy outward, mm-hmm. um, almost like putting my self worth into other things. After that, it was a, another career that I put my self worth into, or another relationship I'd put my self worth into, and like looking back, the underlying theme is I just didn't love myself, and and that's such a, like an epidemic today. Um, but it was about, yeah, I would say about a year where I started to notice things go awry. And that's when I found a lump in my throat. Like, I, I'm trying to think, like, I, I typically wouldn't press on my throat no, or do I anything. No, I didn't either. Like, so, so it was, you were tired. You yeah. just weren't feeling yourself. So you went to a doctor. Like, who was able to diagnose that there was something? Was well, it was the, the lump in my throat that really caught me. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, being an athlete, like... It wasn't a nor I hate to I hesitate to say a normal type of tired, but nothing that sleep wouldn't cure, etc. Right. But I just kept messing around with this lump in my throat. I felt like a bullfrog, and I said to my boyfriend at the time, I was like, "Do you notice this, or is it all in my head? Like, what is this thing sticking out of my throat that I would play with from time to oh. time?" And, and then you think lump. Like anytime there's a lump, it's like, okay, that's a big red flag, and. I had not someone that had went to the doctor regularly. I, I mean, I took care of myself, so yeah. <laughs> I wasn't something I was overly concerned about. But I know if there's something really up that I'm like, okay, figure it out, make an appointment. And so I did and I uh, got, uh, went to get a biopsy. And I was driving down Hunt Club and I remember getting the call and she she was saying, so your test results have come back in and uh, they're kind of, they're inconclusive. <laughs> And I'm like, 
okay, uh, continue. Uh, yeah, so we're not sure. So you're gonna have to come in. It's not. It doesn't not look cancerous. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So do I or do I not have cancer? As I'm driving, I pull into uh, a sports center of all things, uh, a pool that I used to swim at. You totally I, went to the Nepean Sportsplex. Yeah, I, I, I can and picture you on Hunt Club, <laughs> and I'm like, that's where she pulled off. Okay, I, I drive by it every day. Now I'm gonna yeah. think of you every time I drive by it. Okay, I'm wow. on my way to a meeting, yeah. and I'm sitting in the parking lot, going, "What did you just tell me here?" And it was so. I don't know. I don't know how the system all works, but it was so confusing and so frustrating. So I was like, what are you telling me right now? And she couldn't tell me too much. So I had to go in and, and find out what was happening. Did you have a cry in the car? Like, yeah, like, it was I'm more of like a panic. Mm-hmm. Like I felt thre- my life felt threatened. Um, it's just more shock, like a huge, huge shock. Um, so couple that with already not feeling so great about myself and, genuinely entering into one of the most challenging times in my life. Um, And then I get a call saying that I may or may not have cancer. (laughs) So I started the process, again, all the skills leading up, leading up to that time, like not having had it so easy in school, not education, not coming easy to me, constantly having to figure out resources and look outside of myself and fight and push for things that I needed in my life. It, this was in a, at the same time. Our, our healthcare system is amazing, but you are put on a seriously long wait list for things. And so I did what I always do. I sought, sought out my resources and I said, I need an ENT. I need someone to tell me what is going on. And I can't wait another year to figure out what this is. And so I did just that. Got finally got a referral to an ENT and uh after fighting it for a very long time and just trying to, to go more of the natural route, realizing that at the end of the day, I wanted this lump out of my throat. And so right around the time that I moved into my best friend's basement apartment, <laughs> went through an in- extremely challenging breakup, uh, an unbelievably challenging financial time, moved into her basement, found out I had cancer, and then I needed surgery just as I had launched Parliament Hill Boot Camp <laughs> at that time. So it was like everything was coming at me all at the same time. And there was this little beacon of light over top of my head, and those were my events on the hill. And then at that time is when I started the journey of the three most challenging years of my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to soak this in, Mia. I'm like, oh boy. So I, 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 cause I, I I picture, I mean, I picture this dark basement room. I don't know why I'm just thinking this. What, what happened? Like, what were the treatments then for you? Like medically, what were you then having to go through? Um, it's not, so here's what's challenging Yeah, because papillary thyroid cancer is, is so controversial. I did so much research. I learned so much. Uh, There are lobbyists in, in, um, the health organizations that are lobbying to not call it cancer anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I talked to a pathologist, a family friend who his claim to shame, claim to fame is having saved a lot of thyroids in his life Mm -hmm. because what's going on now is people are finding little, little nodules on their, on their thyroids and having their thyroid removed. Like there's no in between. Okay. Help me out medically because the thyroid, it, it, it balances like, yeah. yeah. So by removing it or by disturbing it, what are you doing? To then the you, you need to be on uh, synthetic hormones. Uh, not all some, uh, but to to regulate uh, your metabolism, to regulate your heat, to regulate uh, your female hormones, like everything. It, it It's a mm. hub. It functions mm. a lot. So I wanted to save mine. <laughs> and uh, what I did learn is that it's kind of like an epidemic. They're just, they're just taking them out. So it, it's challenging for me because I don't, I don't look at myself like a cancer survivor. My mom had breast cancer. My dad had colon cancer. Like those are cancers, brain cancer. Like I didn't have chemo. There are some people who have had had to go through that with thyroid cancer, but my story, everybody's cancer story is so different. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't do it justice to someone who has had really had to struggle with cancer. So I don't personally say that about myself. The lump in my throat was large. Like it was obvious. So 
so the guidelines suggest when it's that large to get it removed. So that's what I had done. Um, but yeah, it's not something that... Um, you didn't have to go through once the, th- once the lump was removed. There was no further... I had a partial uh, thyroidectomy. Yeah. Um, and there were recommendations to have the whole thing taken out. But I was under so much stress at that time in my life that I was like, okay, I need to take care of myself. There, my body didn't just develop this lump out of nowhere. There are environmental mm-hmm. factors. There are but I'm sorry, factors. but you mentioned your mom and your dad. Yeah. Okay. And this is where I have, this is where life is just so crazy because you have such healthy, mm-hmm. active parents, both, mm-hmm. both, both. Within months of each other. My dad was just finishing chemotherapy and my mom called me Saturday morning and I was at the track and she knows I'm always at the track Saturday morning. So it was weird that she was even calling me and she called to tell me that she had breast cancer after we finished celebrating the fact that my dad was done chemo right after the other. So that's, I mean, a whole other reason why I'm so unbelievably passionate about what I do because it's just indicative of the, the world that we're living in right now. The, the, our, our environment Absolutely. because I'm sorry but for parents like who have such active healthy lifestyles that they're that they're dealing with this do you think how did they make it through their treatments like mm-hmm. I don't think that they let on entirely how challenging how it was um, I remember my dad saying there's some days where it was really, really bad. But, you know, you call him and it's like, how you doing, dad? Like, he's not going to say to his kids, like, today's awful. He had a handwritten note. We have a, a lake house where he's he summers a lot and goes hunting a lot. And uh, a note on his bulletin board that says, I'm going to be okay. And it's still there today. And that's something he would look at every single day. And, I mean, my mom is one of the strongest people in the world. And it was the same thing for her. I think they went through it in solitude a lot. Um, and so, but it was kind of like when I got the call, I was like, okay, if mom and dad can do this and mine's not near as bad. I just need a surgery. Like I can do this. Yeah. I can figure it out. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a reflection of, of trying to live in a modern day world right now. What is your take on that? I, I mean, how do you, you're in this industry now, yeah. you have people coming to you for advice and for guidance and yeah. what do you tell them? Like, where do you start? <laughs> oh, I, I feel like sometimes I just want to wrap myself up in a bubble and go live in the mountains and try and get away from all chemicals. I think that that's the most challenging thing. The practitioner that I study under, he does an entire series of how to exist in a modern day world right now because... But what are we, what are we refer, referring to? Is it the, our products? Is it our environment? Our Is food, it, the chemicals we put on our body, our current stress load, our sugar load, um, our lack of mindfulness practices, our lack of love for ourselves, all of these things encompass and, and affect our health significantly. Like there is so much stress out there in the world today. I, I, I know that that's why my health went awry because of, of my lack of love for myself and for pushing myself beyond the point of what my body could handle. And that is what we're experiencing. So never mind. I mean, it, there's a whole other conversations about food and, and the chemicals that are in our food and the chemicals we put in our skin and the chemicals that we ingest and the chemicals that we use to clean our homes. Like it is, it's, it's an epidemic out there, but the the stress that we put ourselves under and what we think that we actually can handle at the capacity that we think we can handle it at is so confusing. And so then you take that and you couple it with the message of you suck, you need to train harder. If you're not accomplishing your goals, it's because you don't push yourself hard enough. So we're already overstressed, under-recovered, exhausted, and we think the only way that we're going to accomplish our goals is by pushing ourselves harder and further in the gym which continues to overstress our bodies. And then that's why we have these conversations where every other person you know has some form of illness. What would be the, okay, so give me your three things. Like you've just listed an entire person who, you know, anyone listening to this is like, okay, that's me. (laughs) That's me. Uh, Okay, that point, that's me too. Like what if you have someone that you've just described, Mm -hmm. what are the three things then that you're telling them right off the bat? Stress. Sugar, sleep. I hands down, if you just slept more and got rid of any of the refined sugar out of your diet and found whatever way worked for you to cope and manage your stress, significantly life-changing experiences with your health. And I speak from a place of authenticity with that because after having gone through what I, what I experienced, I 
learned about the art of journaling and it saved my life. And so that is my daily mindful practice of writing out everything that I have to be grateful for every single day, whether I feel like it or not, or whether I... When do you do that? Like at what point in the day? First thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, my phone is the last thing that I touch. I don't touch my emails. I don't look at anything. I put beautiful music on in the morning. I prepare my breakfast because I'm starving. (laughs) Prepare my dog's breakfast. I eat with my nice music on and then I sit down in my reading chair and I journal and I think about what I have to be grateful for. And it's a practice that I started three years ago. It, mm-hmm. it has literally changed my life. All right. So I, I'm picturing this. I, I, I picture this because I get out of bed and the first thing I do is I grab my phone. Yeah. Oh, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm embarrassed now because I'm like, gosh, that sounds though. like such a good thing to get up and play music and, mm-hmm. and take a couple moments to reflect on how lucky I am to just get up that day, you know? Like, I'm going to change that. I am totally going to do that. That's going to be my take from this. Yeah, yeah. Like, put on some music that gets you going and feels good. I'm not going to touch my phone first thing. And it's so I don't, and I, and I get no joy out of it. No. I almost get stressed because I'm like, oh, I didn't answer this person back or I forgot. Like, you're right. Well, and then you're putting ha- out yeah. more energy. You're putting out more energy to other people. You're in the service-based industry. You're working with people every day. If you put more energy out to people, everybody else, causing you more stress. And there's no time that you spend to bring energy inwards, to focus on loving yourself and to focus on what you do have to be grateful for so you can attract more of it into your life every single day so after breakfast is when you check your email (laughs) I don't check my email till 10 sometimes 12 and I check it twice a day and that that was hard habit to break but I am so diligent and organized that it's twice a day unless something needs to get done and then I've got my list of things that I know that I need to tackle so that I can actually are you like me I I, I like checklists do you do oh my god list spreadsheets calendars like I OD on being organized. <laughs> it's my thing. I haven't figured out this spreadsheet yet. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still battling the technology in my in my shift here. But mm-hmm. uh, but I can say it. And you know, it wasn't that I was stressed, overstressed. But mm-hmm. this my my sleep deprivation yeah. um, that I was yeah. under for yeah. so long. When you listed those three things, right? It was sleep. It was yeah. sugars, and it was stress. Yeah. Um, when I gave myself back the sleep, oh, like life changing. It really. It really was like everyone stops me. They're like, oh my God, you look like you've got this aura about oh, you. Yeah. And then nothing really, nothing changed more. Well, gosh, my entire life changed. Yeah. But the sleep part yeah. is I feel like a different person. You know what I think is challenging too? Because, I mean, people listening probably think, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Everybody knows. You know you need to get sleep and you know how you feel. Yeah. You know if you're tired or not every single day. Nobody else can say that for you. But we live in this world that is such guilt-ridden, that we're rewarded for being at the office, the first person to be at the office. It's just like a badge of honor to be like, I went to bed at 2 a.m., I was up at 7, I was at the gym. Yeah, it's not. And my reaction to that is like, that's crazy to me. Like, because how do you feel right now? And yes, some people need more sleep than others, myself included. I'm still working on my health. Um, and so I still need more sleep than the average person, I believe. But I also believe that most people do because I feel like we've gotten so used to dealing or trying to deal with hmm. the stress in our lives. We had a, I had a sleep specialist on. It was probably one of the fir- first podcasts I did. But you talking about that, like I was up until 2 and at the office by 7, like the productivity level of those individuals realistically is so much below mm-hmm. because they're they're running on fumes right mm-hmm. and so had they you know maybe st- taken the extra hour on either end yeah. and how much more of a difference like the whole badge of honor thing you're right like yeah. it's just you're and not, you you're not doing anybody good. it's no and i think that there needs to be someone and i'll say it to stand up and say this is silly this is ridiculous you're still a good person. You're still a hard worker. We need to pay attention to how we're feeling. Take the nap in the afternoon. It's okay. There's no fun police. It's okay to go to bed at nine o'clock at night if you're going to get up early and you're going to be productive and you're going to feel good about yourself. We all have to stop collectively worrying about what everybody else is thinking and just do whatever it is that we need to do to take care of ourselves because it's just going to keep getting worse. What's your favorite uh, success story from a client? Oh, I think it was... It's a collective of when my clients say, I feel um, more uplifted and I feel like I don't have to spend as much time in the gym. Yeah, because you're big on it not taking a lot of time. Yeah. 
And it and again, it this isn't a blanket. There's no be all end all one fit mm. solution for everybody. Like it's simple, but it's not always easy. Um, so when I have those clients that say like I'm actually working out less, or I journaled a little bit, or I went and got my nails done this week because I know you said that I needed a little bit more self care and self time. Like those are the types of things that really really make me excited mm-hmm. because then I know that there's. Not only is there some sense of de-stress, but they have more of a mental capacity to, to be present in their health and to look at, okay, what's working, what's making me feel good. And the best thing about it is the overall reduction in stress. Like that's what's going to help you lose body fat, not pushing yourself harder and harder and constantly restricting your calories. Like those are old school thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it really does. The shift yeah, I, I started to sleep more, like the whole cortisol, around, that whole layer around my belly, like Preach. it's like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm like, this actually really works, this sleep thing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I love the concept. I think, I think your message and your movement is really just starting. You've mm-hmm. got the energy now, I feel like, I, I feel like all of these things have brought you to where you're at now. Absolutely. Um, that this move camp is really kind of taking off. I think you'll yeah. continue to see these numbers double uh, at Parliament Hill. Yeah. Like, j- is it neat for you just to look out at that scenery and kind of just say people are here for the every right week, reason? Yeah. Every week. There could be, you know, there's still things. I'm not perfect. There's still things that I struggle with and there's still my own health problems that I struggle with. And there's days where I'll go up on the hill and be a little bit down in the dumps. And the second the music starts and I got my mic on and people just show up with their yoga mats and their running shoes and their smiling faces and their water bottles and they're ready for me to provide them with something so that they can feel good, that's life-changing. And I think the, the big thing to notice there is that there was no fancy equipment. There's mm-hmm. not like you have a mat and a pair of running shoes mm-hmm. and people need to understand that it's not about having a gym membership that's going to no. be the key. You can do this anywhere. Yeah. And so with the with the shift, with the name change, with with bringing it to move camp, our focus is to create an environment that is makes fitness accessible to the citizens of Ottawa right now and to provide like a fun, energetic, safe space for people to come and not feel judged, not feel intimidated and for them to move whatever way that that makes sense for them. Even if you want to be around a bunch of high energy citizens plus my team and you just want to stand there and do and march the whole mm-hmm. time or you want to do jumping jacks or you just want to be around these people, like those, that's how I encourage you to come out. Mm-hmm. Whether you're just getting started in your journey or, or you're someone who includes this in their regular fitness regime, it is genuinely for everybody. And we work with so many different kinds of people. Like this is just the beginning. We've mm-hmm. got lunch and learns happening around the city. I have an end of season celebration and conference called MoveCon where I get to educate and my team gets to educate and that's the best mm-hmm. part ever. But the workouts on the hill are, are just the beginning. What what we stand to do is disrupt the fitness industry, to change the messaging, to get rid of the guilt and the harder, better, faster, stronger mindset and to encourage people to learn what helps them to actually feel good to understand what feeling good really means and then to continue doing those things while seeking out the resources so they can develop the education of how to actually live a healthy, active lifestyle. The first thing I can do is to start following you. Where can people yeah. uh, follow you? I know you've got great stuff on Instagram. There's always like a fun little video. Like yeah, my Tuesday moving workouts. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of your family room. Uh, so at Mia St. Obey, mm-hmm. uh, best places on social. Uh, where can they find information on the move camps? So miasaintobay.com is my website. Movecamp.ca is the website for the events and everything you need to know. Yeah, and Thursdays things start at what time? 12.15. There you go. Every Every single Thursday for 12 straight weeks. Starting fitness. Starting starting June 7th. There you go. Yeah, it's starting. We're like a couple days away. Yeah. I can't believe it. Um, Mia, thank you so much. It was so nice to have you in this format. Uh, And there you have it, a wrap on uh, Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, episode 18. Have a great day. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. 
Let's Take This Outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.